everyone, and welcome back into another fabulous episode of Whisper in the Wings. We are so excited about today's show because we have a longtime fan of ours, and we are a longtime fan of theirs joining us today with one of my favorite plays and movies of all time. Joining us to talk to us about this, we have the executive director of CityGate Productions, Tom Harmon, and the director, Kathy Schimenti, and the actor who plays juror number three, Robert Budnick. They're all joining us today to talk to us about CityGate Productions' presentation of 12 Angry Men. It's playing March 1st through the 10th at Stone Circle Theater in Ridgewood, New York, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting citygateproductions.org. As I mentioned, we are fans of this production company and they are fans of ours, which is wonderful. There's been some great give and take. And we're finally getting the opportunity to sit down with them today and talk about this great work. And as I mentioned, it is one of my favorite shows. If you've never seen it, it's so good. So this is gonna be an exciting conversation. With all of that, let us welcome on our guest today, Tom, Kathy, Robert, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to finally get to get to be on the show and talk to you. Or like you said, we're big fans of the fact that you're out there, you and your wife and the company and Stage Whisper promoting independent off off Broadway shows. We we as independent theater makers desperately appreciate it. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. This is this is no job at all. This is just fun. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> But I'm excited to be talking with all of you. I, I've mentioned this like thousands of times already. This is one of my favorite shows. It's such a well-written show, well-performed show. And so, Tom, let me start with you. You're the executive director of this company. Can you tell us a bit about what 12 Angry Men is about? Sure. So we're a fairly young company. We were founded in December of 2021 with a mission to bring exceptional live theater throughout the borough of Queens, specifically telling stories that challenge the mind, inspire the heart, and reflect the diversity of Queens. And we are director-led. We ask directors to pitch us their passion projects. And Kathy pitched us 12 Angry Men. I'll let her talk about why. But uh, we immediately saw that as very much in line with our mission because, I mean, it's a 70-year-old play and as you mentioned, a movie adaptation, and yet the themes of justice in the you know in the criminal justice system, bias in the criminal justice system, issues of systemic racism. I mean, if those aren't twenty twenty four topics, I, I don't know what is what are. And so to be able to bring this classic piece of theater, which you know, again, as I've been talking with people I work with, people I encounter, I mentioned the show. A lot of people, especially like under the age of 40, will say, oh, yeah, I think I've heard of that. Or, yeah, I seem to recall. I think I, I've heard something about that. But they're not actually very familiar with the piece or with the movie. They don't really know the story or they've never seen it directly or don't have a clear memory of it. So to be able to to bring this very timely story in a live theatrical production to Queens is exactly what City Gate's all about. I love that. Oh, first of all, what a wonderful production company. Love what you're doing, what you stand for, all of that. And then to add it in there, you know, a great timely piece, as you said. So, Kathy, I do want to 
go to you next on this. And I want to know, how did you come to select this piece? Well, I had always been a huge fan of the courtroom drama. And this is, of course, a classic. I mean, there's others like The Verdict. There's just countless others out there. And in my lifetime, I have seen like, you know, the Menendez case and the OJ case. And, you know, everyone seems to be glued to their TV when it comes to things like that. So why not, you know, hey, why not make it into a play, right? So 12 Angry Men, I think, is what I think every everyone seems to follow or emulate and try to compare themselves to. That, I think, was pretty much the first one that was out there that the first play anyway, that was out there about, you know, people in a jury room and everyone watching the case, hearing the case. And, you know, and again, it's been compared to ever since. And that was like in the 50s, you know, 54, 53, whatever it was. And yeah, Tom was my guardian angel. He came by and said, hey, what do you want to do? (laughs) I was like, well, (laughs) here's the thing. Yeah. And she she co- said 12 angry men. I said, great. Any other ideas? She goes, nope, that's the only one I want to do. <laughs> that's my, that's, my pretty, that's my white whale. That's pretty much how it went. Yeah. I mean, I had pitched it to other theater groups, but it either just didn't work out because the timing was just all off. They had other things in their season coming up or I was busy and it just wasn't working out. So I feel this was like kismet. I was like, Tom, if you want to do it, I'm in. So yeah, it was great. I got that call on a Sunday night. I was doing a reading for a friend in Brooklyn. Hey, guess what? We got the rights. I'm like, what? So I was thrilled, thrilled beyond belief. That is fabulous. I love, love that. <laughs> the third voice I'm going to bring in is, of course, our actor playing juror number three, Robert. Yes. Robert, as we mentioned before we started, you you are a huge huge actor out on Long Island and now you're coming here to Queens for the show. How is it that you came upon this piece? Well, I know Kathy for quite a number of years. We've we've worked together several times on stage and oh, we did we did anything goes, right? And then we did an we did a play called George and Gracie where we would George and Gracie, George Burns and Gracie Allen. So Kathy let me know that she's directing this play and it's in Queens. And my, my first reaction is, well, I've, I spend my afternoons in West Islip, which is in Suffolk County, because that's where my grandkids live. And that's where I am right now. And my, I'm, I'm retired, but my job is to do homework with my, with my two granddaughters. My, my grandson, he does... He does his own work. And I say, that's kind of far. And Kathy uh, texted me back. Well, I understand. And then I told my wife about it. She says, are you crazy? You can go to Queens. It's no big deal. <laughs> I mean, we lived in Queens. I mean, I, when we first got married, we lived in Queens. So I said, okay, because uh, I, you know, I listened to Kathy and I listened to my wife. I don't listen to anybody else, but those two people I listen to. And so, <laughs> so I texted Kathy back and I said, of course, yeah, I, I can do that. And I had no idea what, what part I would play. I didn't care what part I would play. It's one of my favorite, my favorite uh, movies and plays. And, and I said, oh, you know, I'll play any part you want. I didn't, and I had no clue 
that uh, she was interested in me for this particular part. Yeah, I, even uh, through the uh, until the callback, callback. She said, "Oh, by the way, why, why, why don't you read Jura three? I said, "Oh, okay," and uh, it's been a blast. I love that I, the the way it all came together, and that is just fantastic. Tom, coming back to you, I'm curious to know, you know, at the time of this recording, we're about a little less than three weeks out from opening. What has it been like developing this piece? So I will say we actually got a little bit of pushback from people in our lives when, you know, they we talked about, oh, you know, we're we're producing 12 Angry Men. And they're like, oh, you mean 12 Angry Jurors? And they're like, no, no, actually, we're our director has a passion and a vision to set it period and to to keep it, you know, as originally intended, you know, for this particular production. And I think some people were skeptical that we could get 12 solid male actors, male presenting actors to be in this production, which I'm glad to say we proved those folks wrong. And, you know, I think there's something to when a piece like this is more often done in a more modern style, you know, set in a more modern time and place that all of a sudden to set it in its original setting makes it unique. <laughs> it's no longer sort of the traditional way of doing it if nobody's done it this way in, in quite a long time. And again, going back to these themes of bias and systemic racism in the and the subjectivity of the criminal justice system to see it take place in the 1950s i think is very illuminating to think about how far we've come in so many ways but yet how far we still have to go and so i i i feel like kathy's vision of really setting it in in the 50s and keeping it authentic to that to that period makes it all the more unique and and the way from the casting process to you know through the rehearsals that I've been able to witness I think that that's very that's been very telling I love that that is fantastic and in fact that was one of the things in the back of my head as I was reading the press releases and going online to get more information about the show is I thought well is it going to be a, a, a modern jury or are we, are we going all the way back to the way it was, you know, cause that title, like you said, it does invoke a lot of people to go, are you sure we shouldn't correct it? And it is of a different time. Okay. But it sounds like you're doing it period appropriate. So I love that. Kathy coming to you. I mean, this is your baby. This is your vision. What has it been like developing it? Oh, it has been, Loads of fun, loads of fun. It's funny because I was approached by so many people as, as Tom was saying, you know, it was almost like, oh God, you're going to get 12, 12 guys, really 12 good guys. Not only did I get 12 good guys, but I got 12 sensational guys. I mean, it's very rare that you get all of, you know, everyone on the same level. Everyone is just spectacular i can't say enough about this cast and it's it's kind of funny how each of them sort of has a personality that's very similar to the jurors that they play well and also, I, I think you must you have to take credit for that kathy because you're the one who selected everybody well 
Yes, but <laughs> another also, yes and no, because there are people who did come in and say, well, I want to audition for two. I want 12. I want nine. I want whatever. And I gave them, you know, the parts that they wanted based on their audition. Yes. But they already knew they already knew what they were, you know, appropriately right for. So I, you know, again, I always say it's a collaborative effort. It's not just the director that makes the decision. It's, it's also, you know, your actors collaborate with you always. And you got the producers and the stage manager, everybody, it's a big family. And we all kind of throw ideas at each other in the hat. And, you know, we come up with this big, this big, wonderful, like, I don't know, it's like a big cake. You know, everybody throws something in the pan and in the bowl and it just comes out to this, you know, sweet, wonderful thing. I love that. And I'm stealing that analogy. That is a brilliant <laughs> analogy. I no, I have a million of them. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, I want to go back to you now because I am very okay. curious to know. I mean, this is such a well-known piece. Is there a message or thought that you are hoping audiences take away from this production? Well, for me, performing in this or rehearsing, you know, this production, yes, it's about a jury. It's about a a, a 19-year-old young man who is on trial for his life. If they find him guilty, he's going to get the electric chair, which is another higher stake aspect of setting it in the original 1950s, the death penalty. But really, it's it's not so much about the young man who's on trial, who never appears in the play. It's about the dynamic of what happens when you put 12 strangers and fill that room with 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 lots of testosterone and there are ad hoc alliances and rivalries that are going on that are constantly changing as the play progresses i think the excitement for the audience is what is what is this crazy a living dynamic that's happening between these 12 men. I think a lot of people know the plot structure of it, just like anybody who goes to see 1776 knows that, yes, they're all going to wind up voting for independence. But the, the, the excitement is, how are they ever going to get there? And I think that 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 this play offers the opportunity for 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 twelve actors to create a a a situation that makes the audience sit on the edge of their seats and wonder how are they ever going to get there? We know they're going to get there, but how is that ever going to happen? And and I think that that dynamic is ever changing depending on who's who who those 12 people are and who those 12 people are and how they bounce off of each other. And through the rehearsal process, it's a developing and ever-changing uh, process. I find that very exciting. And hopefully our audiences will as well. 
I love that. That is a great answer. And if, and I, if I could add for a moment, anybody who's ever spent any time at sitting through meetings at work, whether they're in business or teachers in a school environment, which I was a teacher in a school environment. I mean, I spent years sitting in meetings with people with different agendas and sometimes the sparks would really fly. And, and that, for me, is, is what this play represents. And I think that, that most audiences have, have, have participated in functional and dysfunctional meetings at work. And this is no different. Absolutely. Kathy, I want to ask you that same question as the director. What is the message or thought you hope audiences take away? Well, it's funny because I just recently wrote this in my in my bio that's going to appear in the playbill. I was a little bit reluctant to to even say the word all white cast men, no women, but at the same time again like we talk about I wanted to be pure to the text and the time period and everything. But, you know, as the play goes on, you realize that in the end, prejudice, bigotry, it doesn't win. So I feel that that's an important message, especially, especially today, that, you know, we are, we are, you know, we're, we're trying to learn, but have we really learned as human beings, you know, with civil rights and, you know, anti-Semitism and just so many things, so much, all this hate going on in the world. And it's, it's so unnecessary, but it's part of our lives. It's part of our, our lifetimes. It's decades of this. And again, like I said, centuries. We, yeah. I mean, have we learned anything? Have we really learned anything? Some of us have, some of us have not, but the message, yes, was just to sort of like say it, it doesn't really pay to be prejudiced and, you know, it's better to be kind, have peace. Yes, say it again for the people in the back. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, by the way, real quick, Andrew, too, you know, as we obviously have a, it's 12 Angry Men, we have a female director. And, you know, one piece that I, I'm very proud of, especially as it relates to this show, but for CityGate Productions as a whole, is very early on, we had a vision that we would always try to partner with a visual artist just as a way to cross promote the arts, especially in Queens. You know, there's a lot of amazing art galleries and places that have platforms for the visual arts throughout Queens. And we've always tried to find visual artists that are kind of of a spirit with the with the product with the story being told or, you know, or maybe some sort of unique pairing with the story being told. And, you know, we partnered with a really exceptional artist named Barry Barrington Brissett. And, you know, through our, you can see through our social media channels, and he'll be at every, every production showing off his, his artwork in general. But then what all of our artists partners have done is they've done a, a unique piece inspired by the story being told. And uh, actually just today he posted the piece that he did as inspiration for 12 angry men and it's of the defendant you know and it's oh wow you know this person non-white person you know praying that the verdict comes in their favor and so i think that you know again our 
part of our mission statement is to reflect the diversity of Queens, to celebrate diversity in all of its forms. And so even though, you know, it is a very white-centric cast because of the period, we're able to bring in this other voice to augment and complement the story. I love that. That is so cool. I can't wait to see that artwork. (laughs) That sounds amazing. It's great. He's really talented. He's super talented. My final question for this first part, I'm going to direct to you, Tom, and I'm curious to know, who do you hope have access to this particular production of 12 Angry Men? So, you know, one thing that I found in my, you know, I've been living here, I'm I'm from Philadelphia originally, but been living in Queens for about six and a half years. And, you know, it's, it strikes me that, you know, New York in general, but I think Queens in particular, tends to be very neighborhood centric, right? It's, it's sometimes it's tough from various access reasons or culture reasons or what have you for people to sort of get out of their neighborhoods easily, especially to see art. And so, you know, we try to bring theater to as many different neighborhoods as we can. And so we've done shows in Woodside and Maspeth and Glendale and Astoria. And this is our first time in Ridgewood and partnering with the Stone Circle Theater, which has been an amazing partner. They've only sort of recently reinvented themselves as primarily a a music venue. And so to be able to bring sort of their first theatrical partner into their space is exciting. It's it's a beautiful space. It allows us to do 12 Angry Men in a round or mostly in a round. So it'll be, I think that'll be a particularly exciting element as well and a very fairly intimate setting for the audience. So really like being able to bring live theater to Ridgewood and its surrounding neighborhoods, I think is primary importance to us to hit different neighborhoods. And we're, we are doing, depending on when people are hearing this, we are doing a special performance in Bayside as well at American Martyrs Catholic Church on February 24th. So you know, we're able to sort of hit Bayside, but then primarily the Ridgewood neighborhoods. I want to switch things up now for the second part of our interview. And On our second part, we like to let our listeners get to know our guests a little bit better. Pull the curtain back, if you will. And I want to start by asking all of you, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past? Or are just some of your favorites? Like, Robert, can I start with you on that? Well... I, I try to get my inspiration from what, whatever project I'm working on at that moment. And I could say that, that the, my two colleagues that I'm sharing this podcast with are, are my current inspirations. What, what, what Tom and Kathy have, have developed, if I might add to what, what Tom was explaining about doing it in the round, we're actually doing it in, in three quarter round. We're all in a, beautiful room here at the Stone Circle Theater mm-hmm. and, and having the audience sitting around this jury table, three sides, they're actually in the room with us. They're not sitting in an audience section watching actors on a stage. They are participants. They're silent participants like flies on the wall, actually being in this jury room 
And right now, that is uh, that's my inspiration. I think it's a brilliant concept. So I tip my hat to my director and my producer. Well, thank you. Thanks, Bob. That is fantastic. I really, really appreciate that. Kathy, how about you? What or who inspires you? Well, okay. So when I was very little, I mean, I'm still little. I'm only five feet. When I was very young, I was glued to my parents' stereo listening to Barbara Streisand because my mom was a huge fan. fan. And she also loved all kinds of, I mean, both my parents were big musical theater lovers. So, you know, musicals were always my thing. And I thought, well, if I can perform it in the living room of my home, I might as well perform it on a stage somewhere. So when I got a little bit older, I started singing in bands. And I was, because I was just so influenced by Sondheim, popular music, rock music. I mean, I liked, I was, my, my taste is very eclectic. I like, I like all of it. Anyway, I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but it's very exciting because when I first started auditioning, I was probably about 25, 24. That was like my first time out of the gate. So again, musicals were my thing. So to do plays and to see plays, that really was something that I started with my, you know, my husband had kind of been the influence there. Because I thought, well, what's the point of, you know, seeing a show if there isn't a 30-piece orchestra to back it up? You know, what's the big deal about a play? I mean, these are my real thoughts. I thought, well, it doesn't make any sense. You got to have music. So we would see a lot of plays together. We'd see musicals, but we'd see a lot of plays together. And then I was cast in a few plays myself, a couple of comedies without music. And I really started to enjoy them. You know, then directing came into play and I started directing musicals. But then I thought, I really want to get my hands on a couple of good plays and Obviously, 12 Angry Men happened to be one of them. A wonderful, wonderful list there. Thank you for that. That's fabulous. Yeah. Well, Tom, how about you? What or who inspires you? Well, theatrically, I guess, primarily. Yeah, I, I came to some of this stuff a little bit later in life as well. I mean, my, my parents were a fan of a select group of kind of golden age musicals, Music Man, My Fair Lady, Carousel, like the West Side Story. Like those are the ones I have the clearest childhood memories of. Sort of discovered Les Mis in high school and became obsessed. But yeah, my my wife actually, my wife and I met doing theater and she actually is, was just in a production of Steel Magnolias. And there was, you know, the character Truvy has this great line of laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. And mm. As I think about the shows that I've been most gravitated towards, both as, I mean, I, I as a performer, as a director, and as a producer, it tends to be, you know, comedy dramas or drama comedies, you know, where, you know, you, you laugh, you're laughing one minute, and the next minute you're you're sucker punched with, you know, some sort of, you know, major emotional beat, and so, you know, the shows that I've directed include Connor McPherson's The Weir. And Lonergan's Lobby Hero, you know, like these are, you know, Lucas Nate's The Christians. Like, so these are some particularly more modern playwrights that I just think strike that balance so beautifully where you're able, you know, we produced last year, Alan Ball's Five Women Wearing the Same Dress. You know, I mean, these are, you know. That must have been an easy show to costume. 
<laughs> Actually, <laughs> you would think, but we had to have custom costume, custom dresses made for the five women. <laughs> you know, but it, that was a, that was a really fun show. And again, these shows where these stories that are so human, right? Where you're laughing one minute and, and crying yeah. the next, and and then it gives you something to talk about. Like that's the probably the thing I always like art where. I'm thinking about it the next day and I, I need other people to see it or read it so I can talk about it with them. <laughs> I love that. And I'm in the boat with you. There's nothing more exciting slash a little bit annoying when you see a really fantastic show and all you want to do is talk about it with someone. But of course you can't just like call up a friend who's never seen it and be like, let me talk to you about this. Cause I'll be like, I don't, okay, that's great. I'm so glad you love that show, but I have no idea. So I'm very much a huge advocate of bring back the conversation at theaters or after, you know, down with the phone a little bit. <laughs> we have now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and I'm very excited to learn all of yours. And of course, that is, what is your favorite theater memory? I guess I'll I'll buy my compatriots some time and say I, I have two that are connected. One, I mean, and they're both related to my my wife, Virginia. We met doing a production of The Graduate, a stage version of The Graduate. I was Benjamin, she was Elaine. And then we started dating, got married. And then right, our last production before the pandemic was the Adams Family musical where I was Gomez, she was Morticia. And we did a little gag at the end where, for those of you who are familiar with the 90s movies in Adams Family Values, they have a third child, a, a little boy that is dressed in sort of white and black striped onesie and has a little Gomez mustache. And so during our the final bow, the final performance, we brought out this little doll with us as a wink to the fact that she was three months pregnant with our, our first child. So even our, our first child's stage experience was technically in Adam's Family, the musical. So those are, those are sort of two connected theater memories that are incredibly special to me. Mm -hmm. I love those. Those were so wonderful. What a cute way for a baby announcement, too. <laughs> I love that. Who would like to go next? Well, I also uh, met my wife in a play. We were doing production of Fiddler on the Roof at Hofstra University, where we had both graduated from. And we did this play uh, a few years after. After we graduated with a, an alumni theater company at Hofstra, I was playing Muddle the Tailor, and my wife was playing uh, Sprinza, which was, I think, the fourth daughter. And so, you know, that has to be my 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 favorite theater memory. What what I love what I what I love when I, when I'm when I'm on stage are those moments when something goes horribly wrong. When 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 it's a disaster, something goes so wrong that you have to like fix it to make it go right. And I live for those moments. I remember once we were doing a production out in Eisenhower Park in the outdoors, and it was it was actually a production of Anything Goes, and 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 it was a scene where we were in the brig. And the brig was represented just by a, a couple of flats. And and that particular night, whoever set the flats didn't didn't set it properly. So it was like kind of open and there was a gust of wind 
and the the flats just blew over. And <laughs> it's like, okay, we're in the break, and then the jail disappears. And you know, all I can say was, <laughs> we're free. <laughs> we're free. <laughs> And then I stopped and thought, but wait, that wouldn't be the that wouldn't be right if we if we ran away. We we, we really need to stay there. And while I was while I was doing that, the other actor was was putting the putting putting the flats back up and, and said, "Well, you should have run away, but since you stayed, now I know why you're only public enemy number thirteen and not a, <laughs> <laughs> and and." and 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 then one of the other actors said to me afterwards, "Oh, the 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 young ladies who 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 set those flats. Oh, they were so upset that it fell down and all that." And and, and the guy said, "Don't worry about it. He loves that stuff." <laughs> right. It's <laughs> a great I point, Bob. Those I love those, and you're absolutely right. It's it's how actors react when the world goes wrong. And you, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was hoping. I was just sitting here, and I'm like, please. Please use the opportunity to break out. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Thank you for that. Well, Kathy, I think it's uh, down to you. you know, what is your favorite theater memory? Okay, so my very first play that I ever saw, a musical, was Annie. And I had gone out, I was probably about 12, I guess. And I'd gone out and gotten the original original cast recording when it was an album that back in the day when you put it on your stereo and I was I basically knew the whole show backwards and forwards first and then my mom had come home one day from work and said guess what I got I got tickets for Annie yay I was like what I, I was very excited about that so we go to see we go to see the show I take my best friend Eileen with me who we used to act out the whole entire album in my living room. And yeah, of course. And even back then I was, I was kind of a director. I kind of told her what parts she would have and, you know, all the props, I'd bring all the props out and she had red hair. So she got to play Annie sometimes, but most of the time, like we'd switch songs and stuff. Anyway, getting back to my first theater experience, I was sitting in the third row of the Alvin theater and the orchestra starts and I start bawling. I am a wreck. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. This is real. It's not the album. I'm here in front of the orchestra. It was the most surreal moment ever. And to have my best friend who, you know, the one that I've acted at these parts with sitting next to me, just sharing this with her was just incredible. I love that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. What a wonderful memory. Taking us all back to our childhood because we all did that. Let's be real. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is a fabulous memory. Thank you all so much for sharing those. Those were so wonderful. As we wrap things up here, I would love to know, do any of you have any other projects or productions coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? At the moment, I'm Pretty much, I have been offered some things, but nothing in the works right now. I think I may start getting back on the stage for a bit. And then, uh, you know, if a great directing project comes up, then I'll grab it. 
Bob, have you booked anything? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I was just cast in a production on Long Island out in Lindenhurst, a production of Bus Stop, where I get to play an alcoholic uh, ex-college professor who has quite a few issues. It's uh, I'm looking forward to that. And then the other day, a friend of mine is producing an, an, a play festival out in Long Beach, and he offered me something, and that's going to be a, two performances on my birthday, always, mm-hmm. uh, May 4th. So uh, I, have, I have a bunch of things to look forward to, but I'm, I'm just focused on, on this one right now, 12 Angry Men. It's amazing. Loving all of these. Tom... Tell us everything. What what's coming up? <laughs> so you know we're we're all performers as well, and and I was cast in as Officer Lockstock in production of You're in Town at, down in Rockaway at the Rockaway Theater Company. That's a it's a great group down there that goes up in April. Obviously, very focused on producing Twelve Angry Men at the moment, but then you know for Citygate Productions, you know one thing that we're trying to do more of, uh, we've been doing a little bit every year, is also giving a playwrights an opportunity to workshop and put their original work in front of an audience. So the last weekend of June, actually back at Stone Circle Theater in Ridgewood, we have an original one-man show called The Crackpot Shakespeare Theories Volume 1. And that's going to be a very funny and very poignant sort of exploration of one man's pursuit of understanding Shakespeare. And that'll be three performances by the great writer or performer gentleman named Jim Haynes at the end of Jan- at the end of June. And then the our final main stage show for City Geek Productions for 2024 is going to be a fairly new adaptation of Frankenstein by a playwright named Vincent Hannum. It's been professionally produced a few times in the Midwest. So this will be its New York premiere and coming to us by a highly recommended uh, director. And we will be performing that at the Secret Theater in Woodside. We've uh, been there a couple times now. They're a great partner, great location. If people haven't seen things at the Secret Theater in Woodside, they have original one-act play festival, I think, that's launching pretty soon. It's a great venue. They're great people there. Also, not all, they're finding great venues for independent theater in Queens is a challenge. And so supporting the Secret Theater is a, is a primary goal of ours as well. And I think we have a very unique take on the Frankenstein story. Just That'll be the last two weekends in October, just in time for spooky season. I love all that. Some great things in the works for CityGate Productions and some great things all in all for all of you. It sounds like you all have a lot of irons in the fire, which is a perfect lead into my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about 12 Angry Men or about any of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? So our primary way would be through our website, uh, www.citygateproductions.org. You can also find us pretty actively on Facebook and Instagram at Citygate Productions. Email info at citygateproductions.org. Join, you know, sign up for our newsletter. We actually put out a monthly newsletter where not only do we talk about what's going on with Citygate, but we try to promote all theater throughout Queens. Again, really trying to be the the rising tide that lifts all ships, you know, for a lot of other great groups doing great theater throughout Queens. I'm on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm on my Instagram is direct singing. If anyone wants to reach out to me, whether it be for ideas for shows to direct in the future, I am more than happy to hear suggestions. Always. 
Wonderful. Well, Tom, Kathy, Robert, thank you all so, so much for stopping. Thank you. Sherry all of this with us. I'm so excited about this production. I'm so excited for what's to come for all of you. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank Andrew. you. And thank you for pleasure. promoting us. Yes. Our pleasure. My guests today have been the executive director at CityGate Productions, Tom Harmon, the director of today's show, Kathy Schmenti, and the actor playing juror number three, Robert Budnick. All of these wonderful artists are part of CityGate Productions' presentation of 12 Angry Men, playing March 1st through the 10th at Stone Circle Theater. That's here in Ridgewood, New York. Tickets and more information are available at citygateproductions.org. We also have some contact information for our guests, which we'll be posting in the episode description, as well as on our social media post. Right now, head over to citygateproductions.org, get your tickets, join us out in Queens at the Stone Circle Theater to see this amazing production of 12 Angry Men playing March 1st through the 10th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.